Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. It is July 3rd, Friday here in Omaha, Nebraska. If I was still with the federal government, I'd be asleep right now, Mark. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a self-employed consultant, uh, we're working on Friday. And thank you guys for coming in. I know you guys are probably both on holiday. or I appreciate your taking the time to come in and share some information with us. Um, my guest today, uh, Jim Steele, uh, has been with me before on the podcast uh, many times, currently with Airlight Plastics. But Jim and then Mark McClure, OSC Safety, McClure Safety, you name it, he's done it. These two guys in particular, uh, both good friends of mine, and I sincerely appreciate their taking the time to come in and join us today. But both of these guys have incredible resumes. They have done construction safety. They have done industrial safety. They've done agricultural safety. They've done government regulatory. I mean, these guys run the gamut of safety. And so um, I thought it would be great to have them both in here today. We're doing something a little bit differently today. We are going to do what we're going to refer to, at least for the time being, as OSHA shorts. Um, <laughs> not those shorts. Um, you know, we've been doing full-length interviews so far on the program, and I, I have thoroughly enjoyed those, and I think they've been very interesting. But there's been a bit of a demand for just, hey, shorten to the point. And so that's what we intend to do. We've, we've decided to start with the OSHA Top 10, and gradually we're going to work our way through the OSHA Top 10, and we're going to hit them for about 10 minutes apiece. And hopefully we will share some insights for, for you about, you know, how, what the problems are and how to address those problems. This is, you know, I haven't really given these guys much time to prepare, so it's just going to be off the top of their heads, and uh, God only knows where that's going to take us. <laughs> so, exactly. So, Jim, Mark, thank you guys for being here. Pat, we're going to go ahead and get started, man. Give me 10 minutes. At 10 minutes, I want some kind of a horrible squealing buzzer or something to go off, so we know it's time to move on to the next the next topic. Um, I do need to, to thank my sponsors, as always. Um, these guys have been tremendous in, in allowing us to continue this effort, um, helping us pay for this podcast. So let me thank CCS Group, Safety Reports, the Nebraska Department of Labor Onsite Consultation Group, and Medical Enterprises. Those four companies have, have been incredibly generous. Uh, they, they allow us to continue to do these episodes. If you want more information about any of those companies, you can find it on my website, FletcherSafety.com. Go check them out. Look at what they do. If, if what they do works for you, give them a call and uh, give, them a, give them a chance. So first topic, gentlemen, uh, hazard communication. We're talking again about the OSHA top 10, most frequently cited. Hazard communication is always in the top two or three. Um, Yes. What I want to talk about is why and what can we do about it, okay? Uh, I'm just going to give you a, a taste of what OSHA cites. Um, the subparagraphs that they tend to cite most frequently, lack of a program, so there's a requirement for a written program, no written program, uh, ineffective training, which is actually very challenging. We can talk about that. SDS is not readily available. Secondary labeling. Okay, no secondary labeling on containers, and then perhaps not even having some type of SDS management system. So what I want to ask you is, you know, why and what do we do about it? Jim, you got, I mean, anything you want to start with? The first thing that comes up is that uh, it's low-hanging fruit. It's easy for them to find, and, and so that's going to be cited. It doesn't have to do with that, how, that it's the most hazardous, so they look for it first. I think it's also on their checklist of things. They ask for written programs, and so... Uh, and then for employers, it's easy to forget that. It's, you know, if your primary 
um, mission is not making some kind of chemicals or being involved in hazardous materials, you're not mm-hmm. going to really think about that, particularly as a small employer. I think it's that's, a, that's a good point. It's a very, very hard one to. to and, and, and your point is well taken. I think if if you are not a chemical industry and you're not working with particularly hazardous chemicals, perhaps right, it's easy to dismiss the fact that we have to do those things. It's easy too that they bring chemicals in that they don't, you know. I, I'm using this glue, and now my distributor's here, and he has this glue, and he's telling me how much better it works. I, I'm, I'm not on the page of safety up front. He's telling me that this is better, a little bit less expensive, whatever it is, and now I've switched to chemical, and I don't have anything updated. Or mm-hmm. just something brand new. Salespeople drop by and leave samples, yep. or you know, the maintenance guy likes his this spray, so he brings his in, and some other guy likes his other spray, and he brings that in, and so you end up with all kinds of stuff. We, we see a lot, as I do walks, uh, it, it's nothing to go to a shop and see, like, six different cans of, say, like, brake cleaner or, mm-hmm. you know, the different types of lubricant sprays like WD-40, and it's like, you could tell. Today I stopped at AutoZone. Yesterday was Napa. I was at the <laughs> farm store two weeks right. ago. And so we'll see a lot of that. And then on the training, I see over and over people training the OSHA training on how to run a HASCOM program. Right. You're trying to teach your employees what you're supposed to know rather than teaching your employees the hazards associated with the chemicals That's they work with. That's extremely good point. That's a good point, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the things that I do along that line, you maybe recommend this the same as you, as, uh, particularly if you're a small employer, is build, it all, build your safety program on a JHA process. So you inventory all the hazards. And where the chemicals come up in the process, then you just put a C material safety data sheet and you have an explanation out beside that what an SDS is and how to find them and where they are. Bam, you're covered. I love that. And and so it's just a very small element. And then we use the JHA in, in our process for training. If I'm doing inspections, I'll grab the JHA and go around and see if we're doing those things. And and uh, accident investigations. If somebody got hurt, I look in the JHA. Well, what did we miss? Is there a hazard we didn't know about or we didn't think about? We'll add it. Mm-hmm. There was. Did we not train them well enough? Did we not give them the right tools to do it? But that's getting into other things. But yeah, the that's, that's how I comply with most OSHA standards. Is you start with an inventory of your hazards. Mm-hmm. The and that tends to be done backwards. Oftentimes, we put controls in place and then we develop a JHA to account for how we got to those control measures. Exactly. And it's almost backwards sometimes. Yep. I see that frequently. What about, um, so what do you see, What do you, you know, you ha- you're in a facility right now, Mark, you're in lots of facilities right now. What are you seeing people doing that is effective? What do you like about some of the HASCOM programs I, you're seeing? I, I, like, I like the people that are looking to the t- technology, uh, the construction people I work with, uh, getting some type of mobile data for their SDS. Uh, there's some different programs out there online that'll help you with that. Mm-hmm. That makes it easier for your guys in the field. Uh putting in a established, this is how we do it, just as Jim was saying about the JHA, but having that type of control on your material purchase. Oh, yeah. Uh, Many times, especially with construction, I see many things that are just purchased on the credit card 200 miles from home, and nobody knows about it back at the office. Mm -hmm. Maybe an approved list of chemicals or something they can refer to. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And one of the things to think about, too, is when it comes right down to it, what you're talking about is safety. And so... Um, as a small employer, you really want to know, well, why do you have to do this? What is it? How does this, how can I improve safety? And, and there's lots of examples I have out of my history where we had a material, we didn't, we were using it in the wrong way, or we didn't realize there were consequences. 
uh, as an example, brake cleaner, mm-hmm. you know, typically has, a, I can't remember the, the hazardous component, but if in the presence of UV light, it uh, can create a phosgene gas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and who would have thought that, unless you read the material safety data sheet, you, you wouldn't know that about this particular material. So it's knowing, you know, and so the, we, we, in this particular plant, they were spraying uh, this brake cleaner into the, uh, into the coil uh, I think that would be the term for it, for a welding machine, uh, for the welding uh, line to come through. Mm-hmm. And obviously that brake cleaner was coming out and hitting and creating this mm-hmm. gas. And mm-hmm. it was not a good situation. Wow, so, interesting. Yeah, you wouldn't think but that. I think that, that speaks exactly about what Mark was referring to. We are training to the OSHA program rather than to the hazards that we're dealing hazards, with. Right. And I think we kind of miss the point sometimes. Yeah, we we walked a company last year. They, they, do a, they have a fiberglass process but they use no spray, it's all roll on. Mm-hmm. And so years ago they had a consult with, with EPA and EPA basically said, you're good because you're not putting it airborne. And they of course assumed that also meant they were okay for OSHA. And the truth of the matter is, is just like what Jim said, they have never really learned what the hazard was. So one of the things I found was uh, they were using the chemical MEK as a hand wash. It works really well. Oh, yeah. it does. It does. We all know. And they, 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 they honestly had a, a plastic like coffee can that was cut in two, and you could just dip your fingers in it right at the sink. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm telling these people, you know, you're, if you're thinking about having children, you're, you're affecting those children and their children every time you put your hand in that. And they're like, really? But we've always done it this way. Oh, well, then it must be safe. It must be safe. <laughs> well, that company's about to come to a screeching halt, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up on a farm. If I, if I did things the way we always did them, that's <laughs> I exactly right. still be here. Yeah. That is true. One of the things that I find is that um, some of the expanded health standards, okay, if we're talking about industrial hygiene, if you have some of those chemicals in your facility, for example, silica, it needs to be in your HASCOM program. Right. It needs to be included. You may have, you, you, it may be a totally different process. I think people sometimes are limited in their thought process to, I'm working with chemicals. I'm mixing these liquids together. But the reality is, when you're welding, you're working with potentially hazardous chemicals. And when you are sandblasting or when you're cutting, if you have exposure to silica, these are all things that need to be included in that HASCOM training. We, we could we could do ten minutes on what happens with articles when you absolutely. alter them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And we have chromium. You know, that's a, a absolutely chromium and beryllium and some other heavy metals that you might you know you wouldn't mm-hmm. really think about those things being a problem. But if you're doing any you know grinding on those things or welding or, or you put heat on them yeah, and you yeah. are potentially exposed to those or, things certainly. And I, and they just they tend to be omitted sometimes because we're so focused on a chemical being something that's in a container that I pour yeah. or apply that way. And uh, yeah, if you have a welding machine, yeah. All right, 10 minutes are up, gentlemen. Oh. Incredible. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> I love it. You, you did Round great. Round two. All you right. Okay, that. everybody take a breath. Nobody has a knockout. That's right. <laughs> a Parkville Media Production. <laughs> <laughs>